There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson, and this episode is all about dealing with late season hunting realities. Back when I had a simpler life as a magazine editor, you know, I I realized something about the hunting industry. There's a lot of bullshit involved. Everyone is on a mission to present themselves as something pretty amazing. And in that process, an awful lot of the details seem to just get left out. Lies of omission are rampant. And that's everybody's move now that social media is the delivery du jour for the updates on all of our lives. Well, I get why people want to show only highlight real stuff about their lives, and I really do. The thing that always drove me nuts about the hunting industry was how late season hunting was always presented as this awesome time to kill a buck. No, 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 to kill a giant buck. It's not. And I think we should acknowledge that. And that's actually what this episode is all about. I used to like to travel. I mean, I still do, but with kids and quite a few years of travel intensive work in the rearview mirror, you know, the shine is really off the old apple. These days, if I get on a plane, it's because my boss makes me or there's something really appealing waiting for me at some distant airport. That's usually warm weather and ocean fish, but throughout my life, I found plenty of reasons to book a flight and take some trips. What you find, as I'm sure most of you have at one point or another, is that if you're about to subject yourself to being a tourist, you're also about to subject yourself to some seriously misrepresented situations. 
take the latest and greatest stage of destination lodging, where you stay in someone else's house instead of staying at a resort or a hotel. It's a great idea, right? You get a kitchen, as many bedrooms as you're willing to pay for, and pretty much whatever amenities you have at home. So you look through listing after listing, and they're all full of pictures and descriptions that pretty much build up a dream world scenario. Foo-foo adjectives like cozy, roomy, cushy, picturesque, dreamy, and whatever, they'll all be there. Wide-angle images of every aspect of the house will show you a distorted view, kind of like long-arming a buck in a grip-and-grin photo. You won't see that the neighborhood where the house you're checking out is super trashy, or that the house is only really 700 square feet when it looks like 3,000 in the pictures. The folks listing these houses, they're selling you an image of something that is actually something else. Now, not everyone does that. You can find some sweet houses backed by real reviews that tell you exactly everything, all that you're paying for. The same goes for cities in Mexico or cruise ships that hit a bunch of Caribbean islands or that sweet ski resort in Colorado where you can go shred some black diamonds or something. I don't know. If you can't tell, I don't ski. I do fall down on the ice fairly often and right on through it occasionally, so that's something. Anyway, if you get the chance to travel enough, you tend to develop a serious BS meter and figure out how to pretty quickly weed through the charlatans. Do the same rules apply for hunting content? I feel like for many folks it does. If you have enough experience hunting, you probably know that someone who tells you the late season is the best time to kill a mature buck is probably leaving out about a thousand crucial details to how they came to that conclusion. But other folks with less hunting experience might not be so quick to suss out the truth from the curated deceit. That's a shame, but there is hope. If you're in that category and you think that it's your fault for not killing a 170-incher on a food source in December when the, I don't know, the most prolific personalities on outdoor television do it with surprising regularity, let me help you out. The late season kind of, mostly, sucks. The hunting for probably 99% of deer hunters is worse now than any other time of the season. Hell, it's probably like 99.7%. For anybody on pressured ground, the late season is probably way worse than the other worst times of the season, like the October lull. Now, I have to say this because there's always a disclaimer. There are some situations where even pressured ground might have the right mix of terrain or food or whatever to produce enjoyable late season hunts. But for the most part, As Rick Astley, the very talented musician who is probably featured on several posters in Mark Kenyon's Man Cave said, you know the rules and so do I. And the rules are that late season hunting is tough, but that doesn't mean you should give it up, even if it lets you down, runs around, or I don't know, deserts you. Sorry, I got caught up in a Rickroll vortex there. Back to the subject at hand. The disappointing truth about late season hunting. It's just hard. The odds are low. It's usually pretty cold and generally just requires a little more planning, a lot more stealth and a hell of a lot of faith, but it's not a lost cause. I just got a text from my good buddy, Clint Campbell over there at the truth from the stand podcast with a video of him paddling a kayak through some cold ass looking water with a great big dead doe slung over the bow. 
He said he just went hunting deer, and that's what he killed, a deer. Also, it doesn't take much context when you see his video to realize he wasn't phoning it in. He wasn't walking 100 yards from his truck to get into a box blind. If you're paddling a kayak to bow hunt late season deer, you're already outworking just about everyone who is still out there hunting. And that, my friends, is an important point to pay attention to. We are sold from those disingenuous bastards in the outdoor media who are absolutely nothing like me, that this stuff is just going to get easier the colder it gets. But I have bad news for you. It probably won't. It'll probably get harder. Maybe Arctic conditions will roll in and the deer will have to eat to survive. But what they eat, where they eat it, and when they eat will be dictated almost entirely, not by those super frigid temperatures, but their likelihood of walking too close to one of us. You see, survival is survival. To them, a full belly is pretty important when it's cold, but not any more important than not getting shot. They know this, even if they maybe quite can't really, I don't know, rationalize it the way that we can. That doesn't matter. Because their behavior shows their mentality pretty clearly. They also, since they are pretty tied into photoperiodism, understand that the window to feed in the dark is much larger and much safer than the small window to feed in the day. Now, those deer that have been babysat on premier properties, they don't learn those lessons very well. They learn that there's no danger to moving in daylight, so they do. But the deer that have been shot at all season and have walked through the woods and the fields every night smelling hunters where they walked and climbed into trees and surface shit their way across the landscape, those deer know what's up. You have to acknowledge this reality and then figure out what to do to get the odds on your side. The first is to learn that hunting, even when it will most likely suck a lot, is still worth it. This, and I know most people don't want to hear this, is one of the lessons that becoming a runner taught me. Now, I hate running, just like about everyone who has four brain cells rattling around in their skull. But you can learn to appreciate what it does for you. That's the key. Every day, or at least every other day, when I lace up my on clouds, choose a podcast, and set out on the mean streets of the suburbs or on a treadmill at the gym, I hate it. I don't want to do it. And the first half mile or so, or the first mile, it's always kind of just torture. I don't think that's ever going to change for me. But then somewhere after that first mile, there's the inevitable acceptance that it's just going to happen because I'm not going to let myself quit. And depending on the distance, it might be over an hour or a half hour or hour and a half, but even a half hour, that's a Simpsons episode. You can get through that. The longer ones they're, you know, a physical grind, but not so much as a mental one. And that's what that teaches you. But finishing it, whether it's a four miler or a 10, always feels good. It's always worth it at the end. Late season hunting is just like that. It's not always fun. It's rarely easy, but it's always worth it. Especially if you want to get better at being a deer hunter, you might as well go hunt the hard ones, huh? You got to understand that because it's important. You got to understand this. You have to figure out ways to enjoy it. 
Let's go back to running for a second. While I love listening to music when I'm lifting or at any other part of my life, really, I hate it while I'm running. I figured that out and realized that podcasts were the best way to get myself to focus on something other than the misery of running and just kind of disassociate a little bit. Now, good shoes like those on clouds, which don't sponsor me anyway, so I don't care what you buy. I just really like them. They're huge too. Shitty shoes make running really suck. And there's no way around it. I've also figured out routes I like to run that might allow me to see a few deer or at least go up and down a few hills in some parks. I figured out that I don't need pre-workout, but maybe just a little caffeine before running. All of these little things don't make it totally suck free, but they make it much more tolerable for me personally. Now, when it comes to late season hunting, what can you do to cut down on the suck to make it more tolerable? You've heard me preach about lowering your standards plenty, so I won't keep whacking that dead pony, but I'll say this. If you struggle to kill whatever caliber of deer is that you kind of set your sights on throughout the earlier season, you're not likely to suddenly find tons of success on that same caliber of deer in the late season. Adjust accordingly and apologize to no one. What if you don't handle the cold well? Some people are like polar bears, some aren't. If you can layer up with the good stuff and use wind-blocking outer layers, you're going to be better off. If you can't, maybe a pop-up blind with a propane heater is the ticket for you. If you think that kind of hunting is for lesser men, go out in your loincloth and show us pansies how it's done, maybe with a spear. If you would rather be comfortable and enjoy your hunting, do what you have to do. And another way to make the late season suck less is, surprise, surprise, to see more deer. You can file that under the most obvious statement ever made, but it's true at such a base level, and it's true at a different level. Of course seeing more deer makes hunting more fun. And if we could wave a magic wand to make that happen, we would. But we can't, even though the hunting industry tries to sell us stupid magic wands all the time. You have to figure it out for yourself. And here's the rub. You might have to get off the food. You might also have to scout right now for the most pounded trails, the freshest of sign. This is one of those times where you have a negative and a positive working for you. The negative is that wandering around and scouting now and then figuring out how to set up on those hot spots you find is often a lot of work. But the plus side is the sign of deer travel is usually pretty evident in the back half of December. Whether you have snow to work with or not, you should be able to find concentrations of deer and specific routes that deer will take throughout the day. Pay attention to them, but also ask yourself whether you're looking at daylight sign or midnight sign kind of like every other part of the season. If you do find a trail that is pounded and you realize you're in a spot that needs to be hunted, try to really think through your setup. The first thing I do is take a long look around. How far away can the deer be and still know that I walked into that spot? Can you see for 500 yards through the open winter woods? If so, are the deer likely to be bedded somewhere in that distance where they will see or hear you? that's the case, that hot sign is mostly just a tease. If you can't get in and hunt it without spooking deer, it's not good enough. Is there a way to walk that trail to find some better access? Does it dip through a steep ravine or maybe a little frozen creek? Does it head straight up a bluff where the ridgetop bedding deer might not see you as you slip in below? 
Maybe what you thought could be an awesome afternoon setup isn't because the deer are bedded just where they're going to see you. Yet you might be able to sneak in the back way long before first light and catch them coming into bed. Morning hunts are sometimes pretty damn good in the late season, even though most people advise against it. I hate those blanket statements because I think there's situations where you might be able to sneak in there. Think about it. And who is to say you don't have an amazing spot to hunt mornings in the late season? Travel routes are travel routes, my friends. And just because the deer are off the fields at sunrise does not mean they're back to their beds already by the time you can shoot. They often, all season long, get into the cover at first light or before first light and then browse their way through. Where I'm going with this is that confidence in your setups is key to enjoying the hunting and mitigating the suckier parts. Think about it this way. Have you ever gone hunting while believing that you wouldn't see a thing and then surprise, surprise, you don't see a freaking thing? It's not much fun, right? That's the gun hunter's curse by about third day of the firearm season. Now, have you ever gone into a sit knowing in your heart of hearts you're going to be snowed in with deer or you were for sure, without doubt, going to see a good buck and then surprise, surprise, you blanked? Which sit was more fun? The one that was full of anticipation, I bet. I bet you hunted quieter, you sat longer, you glassed more, and just felt like you were way more into the hunt than the one where you didn't believe it was going to happen. That shit is so important. It's also the stuff that keeps us looking. And while we might not kill every time, what if you do the work and you get into a late season setup you believe in? While you're there, you glass up a buck or a group of does doing something other than what you planned for. Did you hear that? It was the sound of another piece of the puzzle falling into place. And it was you realizing that there's still a chance, that the hunt is still going on. That's one of my favorite things about late season hunting. Honestly, the deer will tell you what they're going to do every day. And it's your job to get around them without making too big of a mistake. There's also just a little bit of a badass factor. If you can get out there and arrow a fawn when most hunters have given up, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it in your bones. If you shoot an old doe or a buck, you might actually feel your chest hair grow a little bit as you level up in manhood. Now, if you're a woman, then I don't know what it'll do for you, but I hope it doesn't prompt spontaneous chest hair growth. Your job, just like it is with most hunting, is to figure out the best way to enjoy it and then make the work happen that will deliver the joy to you. Hell, as Hallmark card-like as that sounds, that's kind of the secret to having a decent life. Work towards something challenging and figure out how to make things tolerable while allowing for the work to open up a few doors. Doors through which a late-season deer might walk, for example. So don't give up. Don't give into the false reality of whitetail hunting when the majority of the season is already gone. There's still time to get out there and fill a tag. There's still time to have fun and prove that you can do what most other hunters aren't willing to do. There's still the chance to get better at this stuff, which is something the late season will absolutely do for you. It'll challenge you to be better and challenge you to find your own path as a deer hunter. That may be the biggest benefit to suiting up and facing the Arctic conditions to keep learning and to keep your foot on the gas when every stoplight seems to be changing to yellow. So good luck, my friends. I hope you find your way to a buzzer beater buck or doe or fawn or whatever. And I hope you tune in next week 
when I talk about how to manage your personal hunting pressure when you're really down to the wire and simply hunting for a last minute deer. That's it for this week, my friends. I am your host, Tony Peterson, and this has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I just want to say thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it here at Meat Eater. And if you want more whitetail advice, you can head on over to TheMeatEater.com slash Wired, see a bunch of articles by Mark and myself and whoever else, or you can visit our Wired to Hunt YouTube channel where Mark and I drop a pile of new videos every single year. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.